you guys are hyped for Five for Five this morning? Me too. Now, if you don't know what Five for Five is, let me tell you. Essentially, what we do is we find five of our dream teamers. Now, at Connect Calgary, we call our volunteer base the dream team because they're not just volunteering, but they are making this thing happen. The dream is possible because they serve so faithfully every single week and month. And so we decided to choose five of our amazing dream teamers and give them five minutes on stage to tell you their story or to share something else that God has placed on their heart. Now, I have to tell you guys, these are not professional pastors, okay? But they are incredible humans and you are going to love hearing from them. I've heard each of their stories multiple times at this point. And can I tell you guys something? You are in for a treat this morning. This is going to be an amazing service and you can help it be even better by participating as much as you possibly can. So as you can imagine, it's probably a hard thing to stand on stage in the spotlights with a microphone in your hand. And as you'll see, they're gonna be sharing some intimate stories or or parts of their story. And so you can imagine how hard that is. I know as a pastor who does this every single week that when I get up here and I say something that I think is gonna be really funny and then it's like silence, it hurts a little bit. You know, I'm like, dang, I thought I was gonna get a laugh. No, okay, let's move on. It's hard when you're a professional, but when you're somebody who, you know, just got voluntold to do this, it's even harder. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to be the most vocal and encouraging audience that has ever set foot inside of theater number one. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Here's what's going to happen. If they get up here and they drop a joke that's kind of funny, we're going to act like that sucker deserves its own Netflix special. We're going to be like, ah, that was so good. If they give you a mic drop moment and you're like, yeah, okay, that was a pretty good point. Instead, you guys are going to be like, oh, amen. Come on. Yes. We're going to let them know that we are behind them 100%. So laugh, smile, say amen, say hello, say come on somebody. We want you guys to participate because it'll make things much, much easier for each one of them. Five amazing speakers, five minutes each, and my five minutes are up. So let's get this thing rolling. Help me welcome to the stage our very first five for five speaker, Miss Kimberly Roman. Thank you very much. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. I just want to tell you a bit about the last five years or so of my life. Uh, My husband, David, and I were married in 2012. Just kidding, 14. (laughs) That would be more than five years. Uh, We knew right away that we both really wanted to start a family. Um, But we decided to wait a year um, so that I could become a resident of Canada. Because if you don't know me, I'm an American. Please don't hate me. Um, So we went through the permanent resident process and got approved within the first year. Um, And then we were just so pumped to finally start trying to have kids. Um, The first few months came and went with so much excitement. Um, The months to follow were also filled with anticipation. However, the years to come became long and full of doubt. I began to question the plan that God had for my life, that I thought. Um, More than I like to admit, I doubted his love for me. If he loves me as much as I know the Bible tells me he does, how could he be okay with all the pain that I was going through? Why was the desire placed so strongly on my heart if he wasn't going to follow through with what I felt like he had promised me? 
I've always known that God's plan was bigger than I could, than I could imagine. Why then do I still think that my timeline is better than his? After almost four years of trying the old-fashioned way, with zero positive outcome, I had a change of heart. Um, in January of this year, I was in the middle of healing some of my anger and resentment, mostly towards God, uh, through Freedom Session. Now, Freedom Session, if you don't know, is a group we run here at Connect um, every fall. If you haven't heard of it, I encourage you highly to talk to someone who is running it. They'll be here next week in the lobby. You can sign up. Um, so David and I had agreed that we were done trying to do this on our own, and we invited God into our situation. Rather than just blaming him for the things that didn't go our way, we figured it was time for his call, not ours. How often do we go through life just thinking that we know what God wants us to do, try to do it on our own, and keep failing miserably? I, for one, do it far too often. We prayed so hard and asked God to make it clear what the next step was in our journey. We decided to see a fertility specialist. We prayed earnestly for whatever the outcome, that it would be God's definite will, and that we would trust him no matter what the answers. Our first appointment at the clinic came in March. We went through the initial testing, and everything, everything came back perfectly normal. Both very healthy, all the tests were off the charts. We prayed, nope, just kidding. We left not knowing anything else, but we were still hopeful because we knew whatever God's plan was, it was happening now. So we waited another month so that we could continue with the testing. Uh, Mid-April, I told David that I wasn't feeling quite right, and he told me passively to just go ahead and take a test the next morning, which is so not normal in our situation. Um, we had struggled so much that it was something that we always did for moral support. We'd always be there together. Um, so, but I couldn't help but just feel such peace that God had put on both of us in that time because we were both okay with whatever that answer was going to be. So the next morning, I woke up after he left for work. It got off full o'clock in the morning, um, and I took a test. <laughs> um, I left the test on the bathroom counter, walked back to my room to grab my phone and set my alarm. Um, because if you don't know, pregnancy tests take three to five minutes to give you an answer, which is rubbish in my opinion. <sighs> so by the time I got back to the washroom, I nearly fell on the floor because clear as day were two double lines. I instantly grabbed the box and reread the instructions. <laughs> Instructions I knew would be the same as they were every single month. I turned off the stupid timer and called David. I was in disbelief of my own ability to read the stupid test, but surely my logical husband could, would know better. He answered, and I forgot all about my insurance. I started crying and telling him the good news. I'm just standing there sobbing and thanking God. The struggle to get to this point seemed to fall away as our miraculous yes was just sitting there on the bathroom counter. And then there's my husband, laughing his classic David Roman laugh and praising God along with me. Today I stand here five months pregnant. <laughs> Thank you. With this one pound giant little miracle, I have to admit that the story doesn't end here. While the miracle is joyous and full of hope, I want to point out what or rather who is responsible for this story because it's not me. I've had people tell me that I finally got pregnant because of my faith and obedience to God, that lifestyle changes made it possible for us to conceive, or that my patience showed God that I was finally ready to be a mom. While I don't think that God overlooks my faith, I know that that's not why I'm carrying this child. If all it takes is good deeds and a positive outlook, then there are plenty of other people who are more qualified than me to have 
their miracles now, who are still waiting. Deuteronomy 10.21 says, He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. I've seen it. I'm experiencing it. I tell you it's real. (laughs) This miracle doesn't have anything to do with my daily life. Well, not much. We had to do something. He is my God. (laughs) He is my God. And in every struggle and in every miracle, I'm going to continue to give him every praise and glory that he alone deserves. It's incredible. And you know what? I think it would be appropriate if we paused and just prayed together and thanked God for answering their prayer. And I want to say to you, I know... There are some of you that are in the seats and you're like, well, that's all fine and great for you, Romans, but what about me? I know exactly how you feel. My wife and I are still waiting on our miracle. So you're not alone in this. They're not alone in this. God is always with us through every single thing we go through. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for answering the Romans prayer. And I thank you for Kim's testimony that it wasn't because of her good deeds. It wasn't because she had perfect faith in She admits and acknowledges that she didn't, God. It was because you're gracious and you're good and you have a perfect timeline for absolutely everything and everyone. Help us to trust that with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength today, we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, Kim. Way to start us off strong. Amazing. Help me welcome to the stage our second five for five speaker, my man, Jack Landman. Oh, look at that young guy. All right. To start off, I'd like everyone to briefly close their eyes and think of the most fondest memory that you have. One of something you've done or still do or something that awesome happened to you. Now shift your mind into your least fondest memory. Something you might have regretfully did or still do or something that tragically happened to you. Now, which memory outweighs the other? Your fondest or least fondest memory? Now, open your eyes and look within. What did you see? Did you like what you saw? See, these memories are what we usually compare to light and darkness. Whether your fondest outweighed your least or vice versa, these memories could represent a dark past or an awesome moment in our life. See, for me, it was bright. For growing up, and it was adventurous, joyful, Though never growing up in a church, I was loved and taken greatly cared for by my parents. See, then in my teens, these positive memories of growing up would get vanquished by the severe darkness of anxiety and depression. For years, I felt isolated from any hopes of change that these thoughts would later become thoughts of suicide. From being bullied to becoming the bully, I was causing so much damage to other people and myself that my only way of not completely isolating myself from others was through my fake smile and lies. I would later find myself in a group where socializing meant smoking weed every day and getting hammered on weekends. We all had problems. We just chose to suppress them. This went on until I graduated high school I went for my first year of college of something I didn't even want to go for. See, no one knew, but my, I had sunken so deep into my darkness, what most people call rock bottom, feeling like I'm drowning, yet I'm too embarrassed to stick my hand out of the water and ask for help. Wow. 
and everything changed in one day. I was sitting at home, two weeks away from writing the test for my diploma. I was sitting at home, home alone. I was watching TV, but the thing I don't remember was on the TV. It was what was happening in my mind. It was a constant loop of everything I've ever done wrong in my life. People who did me wrong. Every single little mistake to the big ones, thinking that I was a mistake. Thinking that I'm unworthy of living. And I wasn't thinking about the people who still loved me or the future I could still have. I was thinking about the dark, dark, dark moment in my life right there. And in that pain, I was thinking, how could I get rid of this? My solution? Suicide. Screaming in my ears. Kill your sorrows by killing yourself. But there was a light. A very, very small light, but growing. And looking back at it now, I can see God tell me that this wasn't going to be forever. That this was going to be okay, but that I needed help. See, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This life gave me the courage to ask for help. It's given me the strength to leave my past behind, forgiving myself and others, and giving me the strength to move forward into the direction God calls me to be. Whether that was dropping out of college to pursue something that I'm called on to do, or competing in Spartan races to show my young self that nothing is impossible through the work that knowing that the work God does in us. It was not easy, but several weeks passed, and this light led me here into going to connect. Though, like I said, I never really grew up in church, thinking that these kind of people were weird and overly friendly. <laughs> then I discovered that was true after meeting Tyler. <laughs> no, 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 I was just kidding. But here I've met some incredibly bold, kind, and generous people. The kind of people I should have surrounded myself way sooner. And as you can see, during our utmost darkest times in our lives, God is there. Whether you know it or not, whether you grew up in faith or not, God is working inside of you, wanting the best of you, and no amount of darkness can surpass God's love for you. Thank you. My man. My man. Thank you. Oh, goodness. I mean, that was real. You know what I mean? That was, that was honest, and I appreciate your transparency, Jack. Um, buddy, I want you to know... We're glad you're here today. I'm glad that there was a little bit of light that Jesus shone in your soul and that you acknowledged it. I'm glad. I'm genuinely glad. And I want to say to anybody else who's here this morning, and his story is currently your story. You feel dark. You feel depressed. You feel like there's no reason to keep going on. You are known. You are needed. You are loved. You are welcome here. Um, I hope that you'll find the same light that God has shined on Jack. You'll find that same light of Jesus in your heart and soul, and that your entire life will be turned around, transformed, set on a new course in the same way that he did for Jack. Thank you, buddy, for sharing that story with us. All right. You guys ready for our third speaker? Me too. Let's make welcome Samantha Lodovico.
Good morning, everyone. Almost exactly a month ago, I received an email from Bath & Body Works with the subject line, but you can't wait till it's fall this summer. Immediately, I thought, are you kidding me? It's July 17th. How on earth is Bath & Body Works, along with many other stores out there, already looking ahead to the next season? Now, hear me out. Before you think I'm just up here to bash the fall season, please know that I'm not. I actually like fall. I love changing the decor in my home, the new scents, when the leaves change color. And shout out to all my Starbucks friends out there because fall means pumpkin spice lattes. But I like to enjoy fall in its appropriate time. You see, I totally understand preparing for what's to come. For all my Enneagram followers out there, I'm a six. If you're unfamiliar with the Enneagram, all you need to know is that I thrive off of safety and security. I do my best to always be prepared for what's to come. Today we're going to look at a verse in the Bible. It's Ecclesiastes 3.1. It says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. You see, when I received that email on July 17th, I instantly thought, how on earth are people already looking ahead to the next season? And then it hit me. I realized that I do this with seasons in my own life. God might have me in a certain season at that time for a reason, and so many times I've missed the lesson or the beauty right in front of me because I'm too busy looking at the next. Please understand I'm not saying it's bad to dream, to plan, or to look ahead. Some of you might be in a really, really difficult season right now, and you just want out See, I don't know what season God has you in today, but I do know that he is present with you in all seasons. I encourage you to turn to him. He has you there today for a purpose and a reason. Lean into him. Don't miss what he has for you. You see, after some wrestling in a present season, I reached out to a friend for some wisdom. After listening, she responded with this. Ask God what he wants to teach you right now that might help equip you for the next season. So let me present you with this same question. What might God want to teach you or show you in this current season to help equip you for the next one? You see, maybe for you, you're sitting there today thinking, I just can't wait till I make a bigger salary. But let me ask you, are you faithful in managing the income that God has currently blessed you with? Or maybe you're sitting there today thinking, I just can't wait till I'm in a dating relationship. But let me ask you, are you using this season of singleness, to lean into God, to better yourself, so that when Mr. and Mrs. Wright comes along, you're prepared? You see, I don't know God's plan for your life. I don't know your present season. But what I do know is that he desires for us to lean into him and be present with him in all seasons. So you might ask, well, how do I do that? I'm going to give you four tangible ways. Number one, converse with him. Share with him what's going on in your heart. Talk with him. But you'll notice I said converse. You see, when you have a conversation with somebody, you don't just talk, but you also listen. Listen for his still, small voice. That leads me to number two. Get into the word. Do this for yourself and do it daily. Spend time reading your Bible daily. Get to know him and get to know what it says. Number three, find rest. In our fast-paced society, it's almost like you're rewarded the busier that you are. If it takes scheduling 10 to 15 minutes of quiet time a day just to sit with Jesus, do it. 
And lastly, number four, get into community. Please, please, please don't do this life alone. I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't be on this stage if it wasn't for so many faithful people in my life. On days when I was so anxious, I didn't know if I could make it through the day. They were there with me, walking with me, praying with me. Please get godly people around you. Join a connect group. Don't do this life alone. Let me remind you that God has you right where you're meant to be today, even if you're in the middle of a storm. As the world constantly encourages you to look out to the next season, may this be a gentle reminder to look up in your present season. Thank you. Okay, your girl needed four and a half minutes to do that. We might just let her speak every Sunday from now on. I'll take a seat. Forget me going for 35 minutes. We just need Samantha for four and a half, and you guys will grow as followers of Jesus. Thank you so much for that. That was incredible, Samantha. That blessed and fed me. Seriously, thank you. All right. We're winding down, but we're not close to being done just yet because we have our fourth five for five speaker. Make some noise for my man, Tyler Sutherland. All right, before I get started, I just want to say it's my beautiful wife's birthday today. So if you see her, wish her a happy birthday. But I'm here today to share some of my testimony as a reminder and encouragement of the God we serve. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two back-to-back Sorry, two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And early on in my life, that cord that was supposed to be represented by myself, my parents, and God was unraveled. My father and mother separated when I was three, and when I was four, my dad took his life due to the mental health struggles he was going through. And unfortunately, my mother also had her physical health struggles as well as her mental health struggles, and she wasn't able to fully take care of me. At the age of eight, social services removed me from her home. My mom loved me second only to God, and I'm so positive that her example was the greatest impact that she could have in my life. She taught me to love God. She taught me that God was always with me. I went on to move from foster home to foster home. Some of these homes were great, and some of them not so much. Um, one had even gone through the process of adopting me, and over two years it took, but one month away from completion, they backed out, and they said they didn't want to be my parents. Barry Sutherland was my eighth grade teacher, and he was a man that became a teacher not for the sole purpose of educating minds, but he wanted to love kids the way that Christ loved them. He knew that they might not have a great situation at home. So he found out about my situation after the family that was about to adopt me backed out. My grades were slipping, so he sat down to find out how I was doing. And he knew that my parents were distant, so he started, he started taking me for food. He took me to a Calgary Flames game. He drove me home from practice so that I could play on the school sports team. He became a person that I could trust with my hurts and my burdens when I didn't have enough strength. 
The following summer, Barry and his family chose to bring me into their home and start the adoption process. When he had told his wife, she trusted him. She told him that if this was something that God wanted them to do, then she would be 100% for it. And it was through adoption that my single and lonely strand was embraced by the second cord of a loving family. And only looking back now do I realize that I was never alone, that God was always with me. And I say this now that a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So how do we stand beside those that are lonely, they don't have support, and they lack that strong cord in their life? And I believe the first step is understanding that as Christians, we need to accept the sacrifice, we need to accept the work, and we need to choose to be selfless with our time with others. And trust me, I know that it's natural to struggle with this, but whenever I struggle with this, I always think back and I'm humbled by all the people that God like put in my life to stand side by side with me when I didn't have enough strength. And I know this today, and it's like everyone else said before, that I'm only the person I am today because of those people. And it is an honor that we have an opportunity to be that person for someone else. To love others as Christ first loved us. But the question is, what if you're that person that feels that you're one strand by yourself? And I'd say start with protecting your heart from the lies of Satan that wants you to believe that you're not worth anything. And we need to trust that God is with us in these moments of pain and struggle. He has never left us. I want you to find people in your life that you can trust. And this might be a friend or a family member. This might be someone from Connect. This could be Pastor Dan and Amber. Sometimes I found myself wondering, like, when is God going to rescue me? And I wondered this through my childhood over and over and over. And there were so many points when I felt like I was suicidal. But I want you to understand that God's pursuit of us, it doesn't always show up in these miraculous acts or this audible voice where we can hear God's voice. His pursuit often comes through his believers that love him and choose to love others without question. I don't look back in my life wishing anymore that God would have rescued me the moments where I felt like things were falling apart. God used these moments to teach me. They use, he used these moments to grow me. And I just, I have no regrets anymore because he's using my story to help lead others to Christ. God even redeemed the relationship that I have with my biological mom and she's sitting up here today. So I'm super happy about that. But the most important thing that it was in God's timing that my three-strand cord was renewed. Thank you. Wow. I mean, come on, you guys. If that doesn't make you feel good, there is nothing on the planet that will. You're a Grinch. You have no heart. That's incredible. And what I love about these stories that you're hearing from each person is that they're real and raw and authentic. And as you're walking around and you smash out high fives on Sunday, you don't often know the backstory that people are carrying around. And we don't know your story, but we want to get to know your story. We want to hear how God has moved in your life and what he's done for you. It'll take a little bit of honesty. It'll mean we have to open up to one another. But you know what? It is totally worth it. It'll change your life. So thank you, sir, for sharing that very vulnerable, difficult story. I know it's a blessing for people who have been through similar circumstances.
Okay, we're on our last speaker, and I am super excited for you to hear from her. Typically, you see her singing each Sunday morning, and I said, how about you don't sing? How about you talk? And it took some convincing, but she finally said yes. Make welcome our final Five for Five speaker, Simone Ramkasoon. You guys have already got me started in the tears, and I haven't even started yet. <sighs> hey, everyone. My name is Simone, and as Pastor Dan has mentioned, um, every Sunday I can be seen here singing my heart out because praise is my natural expression of how grateful I am that God loves me. But I'll tell you guys a secret. There was a time when my worship was a lie. See, at a very young age, I learned how to appear like a perfect little Christian girl. But underneath the smiling mask was a girl who secretly carried the weight, shame, and guilt of abuse. There was a girl who carried the great pain at the loss of a beloved father. And a girl who carried a heavy weight of a dark depression. And out of that hidden darkness, I sinned in my heart. My outward self sang praises to God, and inside, I shouted, it's your fault. I continued to carry out the Christian motions, but inside, I blamed God. And for a long time, I remained angry at the world, at myself, and at God, and no one knew about it because my smile covered it all. But God doesn't get fooled by a fake smile and a well-crafted mask. Though I could convince everyone on the outside, God knew what was happening on the inside. He knew I was broken, hurting, and lost. He knew that I was angry at him and that I blamed him, and it didn't scare him away. Do you know that God's not afraid of your anger? He's not intimidated by your sin. He's not turned off by the stupid things you might have done. He's not disgusted by your past or your present. He doesn't think that you're too broken or too sick or too lost or too depressed or too far gone or too anything. Nothing in all creation can separate you from God's love. The Bible calls him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not God sitting up on his lofty throne looking down. Not even God on the sidelines cheering us on. No, God with us. But being a Christian doesn't mean that God is going to save you from every bad thing or pluck you out of every dangerous situation. Guys, I hate to break it to you, but the only time that you might walk on rose petals is on your wedding day. But God does promise, however, to be there in your darkest valleys, suffering alongside with you. See, my breakthrough began when I recognized his presence in my darkest moments. I wasn't abandoned like I had thought. His constant presence and unconditional love without judgment took every nasty word I threw at him and never wavered. And now that I understand the Father's heart, I know that in that moment, when that five-year-old girl lost her innocence, God was with me. In that moment when that 13-year-old girl saw her father take his last breath, 
Jesus was with me. In that doctor's office, when fear grips your heart, he is there. He is there when all that's between you and your spouse are angry, hurtful words. He's there when you throw your hands up in the air. You don't know what to do with your children anymore. He's there when time and again your choices keep bringing you back to that same lost place. He's there when you feel lonely and afraid and abandoned and unseen and unheard. God is with you. It gets even better. God doesn't just promise to be with you. <laughs> Isaiah 61 says that if you give him your pain, hurt, sin, and suffering, here's what he's going to do. He's going to heal your broken heart. He's going to release you from darkness, give you joy instead of mourning, praise instead of a spirit of despair. Instead of shame, you will receive a double portion of his blessing. And instead of despair, instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance as his child. I can proudly stand here today and say my worship is not a lie. He has healed my broken heart, released me from darkness so that I no longer carry shame and guilt. As his child, my darkest days are no longer an open wound. They are my victory story and my testimony. And I'm here to tell you that if he did it for me, he can do it for you. You each and every one of you. Jesus died on the cross and he paid the sin for you so you wouldn't have to. Whatever you've done that makes you think that you are somehow disqualified from God's love, he's already canceled. In your struggle that seems too big for you to handle, he is right there with you. And I'm here to tell you today that your darkest moments can become your testimony and your victory story if you allow him to heal and transform you. You are seen and heard and loved. God is with you. God is for you. And God is good. <laughs>